Today on the Zabecast, when Jordan went to Atlantic City to blow off steam, what was the one critical piece of info that Jordan Doc left out? How bad he played the next night. Mr. X joins me. He's got a beef about people who gush about left tackles like there's some celebrated icons for every NFL team. All that plus the coronavirus has gotten an X-Files twist and Funhouse has come crawling back. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Oh, here we go! Thursday, May 7, 2020, thank you for joining me. Man, the internet does funny things to people, doesn't it? Funhouse, who has been chronicling the wild and utterly shameless distortions of truth, fact, and the record by one Michael Francesa of WFAN in New York, has apparently decided to come crawling back to Francesa. This, after he claimed Francesa and his parent company, Entercom, came crawling back to him after they banned him from posting clips. Well, well, well. Here's what Funhouse wrote in a tweet today. Because he had said, that's it. I'm not doing any more Mike stuff. Enough of him. I've given him enough t- attention. I've made him more relevant nationally than anybody would otherwise know. I'm done. I'm out. Okay. He then went to Colin Coward, started listening to his show and saying, well, this guy's full of shit too. And then he starts pointing out examples to the point where he's like, okay, I'm now sick of Colin Coward. I can't even listen to him. So here's what Funhouse wrote. I said I wouldn't go back to this. Mike overreacted, that's Francesa, when he banned me from posting his clips, a decision he reversed two weeks later. And then I overreacted by letting my pride get in the way. We're both too sensitive. Big deal. But it seems like I'd be more of a fraud for turning my back on the followers I've gained due to posting Mike's clips compared to changing my position on it. This is just a hobby. I don't profit from it. All I ever wanted to do is tweet some entertaining crap every now and then. If posting Mike's clips will help give everyone a laugh, especially right now when the world kind of sucks, who am I to deprive the people of that? Let me be crystal clear about one thing. Mike's show is awful. You can find tweets of me saying that going back two years. It's literally painful to sit through every day just to grab one or two funny clips. But it's what I do. It's what people expect. Just please understand that the man works only 90 minutes per day, 70 minutes after commercials, and 35 minutes after the long, boring daily interview he does during the Radio.com portion of the show, which I never listen to. Coming up with a tweet-worthy clip from 35 minutes of content is not easy. Many days there will be nothing to post. As I mentioned the other day, a big catalyst for me rethinking this was getting a taste of despicable, deceitful Colin Coward day after day. The grass isn't always greener when you decide to cover other hosts. Mike may be a jerk at times, but he's our jerk. Knuckle dap. Your pal, Funhouse. I am so disappointed. Wow. It's too bad. I really thought this guy was like, I can't believe this is supposedly the pinnacle of sports radio. This These takes, this dishonesty, this flip-flopping, playing both sides of everything, this is the best of the industry. Instead, it's almost like Funhouse is now 
saying, I can't quit you either, Mike. We need each other. We were a team. He says, this is just a hobby. I don't profit from it. But then he talks about, I I feel like I'm turning my back or a fraud on all the followers I've gained. It's just a hobby. Quit. Like, what has the internet done to your brain? Like, why? He then says, you know, it's painful to listen to what Mike's show has become. So why do you do it? You're not making any money. It's hard to come up with clips, but I'm going to go back to it because this is what you people want. And then he throws in a shot about Coward. I don't, I mean, I guess I know what it is, but it's it stuns me. This is like, I can't quit you either. Mike may be a jerk at times, but he's our jerk. Okay. Well, never mind then, I guess. Whatever. I took the account as something entirely different, but okay. Welcome back, Funhouse and Mike Francesa. I mean, look, if there's a funny clip of Francesa being completely delusional or getting crank called by somebody, I'll play it, sure. But I'm kind of disappointed, Funhouse. I thought you were cut from a different cloth. Hi, Zay. Hello, Mr. X. How you doing, brother? Well, we are, uh, we're getting by. Getting by. Getting crazy. Have, it's getting crazy, isn't it? Have you left your domicile in 51 days? I have walked around the block, usually Yay. at night. That is it, man. At I'm going to come out of this, yeah, I'm going to come out of this thing looking like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> <laughs> are you, uh, are you gaining weight, Mr. X? Uh, oh, God, yes. <laughs> well, try to keep it in, try to keep it in yep. check and, yeah. uh, and we'll go from there. Are you betting on Korean baseball is what I am dying to know. And what about X2, X3 and X4? <laughs> I have not. I have to tell you that X4, the baby who's 18, asked me yesterday, said he and his friends put together a Korean baseball fantasy league. <laughs> Of course they did. They're teenage degenerates <laughs> yes. who yeah, have nothing, nothing to else to do. No, it's getting hard. The last thing I bet on was the draft and uh, Joey Chestnut. I haven't done much since then. Yeah. So uh, I see on your rundown here, and I like these topics, yeah. uh, Mr. X is coming increasingly prepared. This follows in the footsteps of Charge bringing some deep match game <sighs> nostalgia. Did you listen to that on Monday? I did, and Charge follows in my footsteps, as I recall. But yeah, I got you. <laughs> okay, I love it. My contributors are bringing more and more to the table. I love it. I love. It. I'm not even. I'm not even assigning stuff, and you guys are jumping in the fray. You <laughs> you have this note. So often we hear tough times show America's strength. I think it shows how stupid people are. I would concur entirely that America, Mister X, is in its fat Elvis stage of its life cycle. And I wish it weren't so. Yeah. I think, I mean, what I mean by that, I think is, I I think this is, I'm going to call it the Stephen A. Smith syndrome. This idea that every issue has got to be such an extreme one or the other is right. And one's way wrong. Whether it's open the economy, stay in and be safe. Everything we do, people yell and scream and call the other guys idiots like Stephen A. Smith does. And it's like, I spend all my time going, 
Yeah, I see both sides. I don't care what the subject is. I see both sides. And yet people get so sure that the other guys are morons. And I'm like, no, it's just crazy to be that extreme. I mean, I get this. It's a hard thing, isn't it? You know, it is. But there's there's also, I believe, um, our country has been so successful. We're so rich. We're so soft. We we have too many people that believe in magical things like, oh, we can shut down the economy for a couple months and it'll be fine. That's magical thinking that is childlike that belies a fundamental non-understanding of economics. The magical thinking of when it's safe to play again. I heard a football player say, well, I don't want to play again until it's 100% safe. And I'm like, you play tackle football, motherfucker. You're not worried about something that could happen to you on the field than a stupid virus? Come on yeah, now. Talk to Alex Smith, will you? Come on. Right, exactly. We are also a nation that hasn't had any stern tests. We have not had to make any sacrifices. We have not had any existential threats in so long. Our muscles are atrophied. You know, the 1918 uh, Spanish flu, there's pictures of guy, of men at boxing matches wearing masks sitting shoulder to shoulder. Same thing for a Georgia Tech football game. These photos are now coming out of the woodwork, and the Spanish flu was way worse, and our medicine completely sucked, and we were coming out of World War I. The, the reason that we did it was because we were tougher back then as a nation. End mm-hmm. of rant. Yeah, I know. This is supposed to be the end of your pod. But, I mean, the bottom line is when you look at people who sit there and yell and scream about this is America, you can't make me wear a mask, this isn't that. Hey, who the fuck wants to work at Target for 10 hours a day? If you don't, you know, I mean, you gotta, well, you, you got to protect the people doing the work. It's I'm, not about your right to walk in my store. It's like, yeah, everybody quit. You want us to shut the door, yeah. or do you want to put a mask on? Here is where you here's know. where the divi- here's where my divide is, and this would be a middle ground yeah. position. I wear masks really? when I go into <laughs> stores out of courtesy to the workers. To them, exactly. And it's no big fucking deal. In fact, I wore my full respirator I mow the lawn with one time into the supermarket. <laughs> they looked at me like I was a goddamn idiot, but I didn't care. I said, but hey. you did look like a goddamn idiot. That's I did. Why. I did. But <laughs> you I looked like Bane on Batman. Right. But I I walked. <laughs> one inch off the ground thinking I'm a good person. I'm confining all my exhaust fumes to these heavy duty filters that won't let anything out. So fuck everybody. Exactly. You can say, Hey, we keep it open, keep it open. Well, who's going to work, but here's the thing. The store. Yeah. Here's the thing. I do not believe that municipalities have the right to enact laws saying you must wear a mask everywhere, which some have. I hear you. That, I just I think the store has every right to say yes, Look, man, stores we need to have people are work private exactly. But Target is getting crucified for their rules and it's like just put on your mask or else yeah. I'm gonna lock the doors. You know, it's not hard. Well the the, the terrible ground. the terrible thing is that their employees are getting assaulted by people without masks. Yeah, it's people ridiculous. are licking them. There is actually a security guard apparently in Florida who told a woman, You can't come in, there's no mask. There is an argument. She leaves, comes back with a dude with a gun. Guy kills the guard. Can't make this stuff up. No, and it's fucking sickening. Okay, moving yeah. moving right along. Jordan documentary. You were a little bit disappointed. Do tell. Uh, 
Now, look, when I say I like and don't like things, I'm no critic. I don't care about, you know, how I just do I enjoy it or do I not enjoy it? You, you kind of want you want the sports scared. parts of it to ring true. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't care about like when people say, oh, it's really well made. I, I don't know. Do I like it or not? The part I don't like is. Let's cut say, to the gambling yep. because the UVA okay. stuff we touched on last time. Okay. The essential sure. question, and this is right up your alley in your wheelhouse about the gambling. What do you think the league was so afraid of with Jordan's gambling? Because to me, the notion that he would throw a game or shave points to pay off a mere hundred and some odd thousand dollars to Slim Buller or Richard Esquinas is ridiculous. Jordan is the ultimate killer. He would never do that. So what was the league worried no. about, do you think? Well, let's put it this way. I think of it Okay, on the, I think it was what part three and four. Hey, they lost game one in New York, Madison Square Garden. Off day, he's down in New Jersey till wee hours. Comes back, and then on the um, on the documentary, they're talking about the next game. They lost all the crazy press, making a big deal out of him going to Atlantic City. He just went with his father. He doesn't have a gambling problem. You know what fact they left out? The three for twenty three shooting that night. Before the okay. trip to Atlantic City? No, the, the game after. After he went to Atlantic City between game one and two. Three for the 23? Next game, he went three for 23, three for 21, something like Did that. Did they not it's, include that in the documentary? Not at all. Oh, like, my God. Oh, these God. crazy guys think it's a big deal. He and his dad needed to get away from the city, so give him a break. He went three for 21. He's Jordan. Would you smoke whoa, whoa. something? Three for 21 <laughs> or three for 23? I don't know. I'm going by memory here. Google's closed in my house. <laughs> Is it really? All right. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, Google it, was, it, it while was a you bad, talk. That's the whole point was they're like, hey, he they're down 0-2 in the series. The guy's seen in Atlantic City at midnight. What year was this? And this was – they played the Knicks. 94? Um, wasn't it the um, third championship? NBA Eastern, NBA Eastern Conference Finals, 1994, Bulls versus Knicks. Okay, four, yeah. All right. Game, what game was it again? Two. Two in the Garden. Uh, Knicks win that one, 96-91. Right? Yeah. That's what they put on the documentary. Oh, they only lost by five. How did he do? God, I hope I'm right. I'm going by memory. Oh, it wasn't 94. 94, Jordan had retired because guess who the starters were? It was 93. It was 93. Hold on. Get this. Okay. Horace Grant, B.J. Armstrong, Scottie Pippen, Bill Cartwright, and Pete fucking Myers you got started me. in that game. <laughs> By the way, it the 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 Bulls went to Game Seven of the Eastern Conference. Oh, it was the semis. Semis. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Hold on. I'll I'll get to it here in just a second. But yeah. So, what do you think the league was so freaked out about regarding? Well, I guess I would think of it this way. This is the guy who we're talking about how ridiculously over-competitive he is. He wants to win everything. What would draw you away from New York till 2 in the morning when you want to win your basketball game so badly? It is clearly indicative of this might be a problem. <laughs> so in okay, other words, you don't, you, don't buy, you don't buy the blowing off steam thing. <laughs> That's what he told his wife. I mean, come on. 
I don't know. I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm saying they in the documentary, they're you know before this came out, they were talking about oh Jordan may not like how this portrays him, and I know that it's got a purpose here, but they are leaving out so many things on the other side of him in college yeah. and in pro. It's and they made it sound like it was crazy of the press to question him for going to Atlantic City. Right. It, it ain't crazy anything when you shoot three for twenty three. Uh, for the record, he had thirty six uh, points uh, that night. 36, 9, and 1, but he was 12 of 32. Still a bad night, 37%, 12 of 32, but he was 1 of 7 from 3. That's game two in New York? In New York, okay. game two. Okay. Do you want me to look at some other games? Because th- nah, that should Maybe it was game one. I, I thought, I just remembered it was a horrible shooting night. Game and, one, he was 10 of 27. Out. Well, that ain't good. <laughs> Game two, 12 of 32. 30, yeah, that's those are two pretty bad nights. So the bottom line there, okay, I was off on the numbers. But they, they, won the next, they won the next out. four. So Yeah, then they went back and when they go back to Chicago and they win. The, the whole point was, they, you know, when you want to question, gee, is this impacting the series? You can't leave out the guy. Sh- well, that's the thing. You're shoot. right. Right. They should have said they should have included that there. That was a key point. And you're right. You, you could have questioned. The other thing I didn't like, they said reports were Jordan was seen gambling at 2.30 in the morning in Atlantic City. And Jordan then on camera says, so what? I was back home by 12.30. Yeah, that was bad math. <laughs> <laughs> Is that drunken gambler math right there? Or or did he mean 12.30 noon? <laughs> Maybe he meant 12.30 Chicago time. <laughs> yeah, I, was, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, it, and, that, and of course... I'm a little confused on where they left off because now the next documentary they're going on to, I think the next series, are they really leaving out the two years off of basketball that came right on the, remember after this championship was when he took the two years off. So well, all of this, they're not, they're gambling not, they're, went together they're, No, the baseball's coming. Is it? Okay. Oh, the baseball's coming. Relax on that. The baseball is coming. It's part of the larger story when he then comes back and wins the second three-peat. But okay. Yeah. All if you're going to have this documentary, you have to you have to put on the table the rumor that this was all a you know, under-the-table suspension that Stern handed him for two years. Right. You have to put that out there, but I bet they don't. Right. Uh, you want to slow oh, the roll. Wait a minute. Was the what? best part of this documentary so far? That boss security guard flipping quarters. Yeah, how about that, huh? With him. That guy not only beating Jordan, but trash talking him. Did you well, hear that? That was so That, that was, was great. great. But Jordan didn't that care. Jordan didn't well, care. That's it, the thing. Jordan treated Littles like they were peers. And yeah. that's one of that's one of the enduring that's one of the endearing things that I like about him is that yeah, he when, wasn't too when, big to bet in quarters. And when the yeah. guy beat him and made a dorky ass little shrug. Jordan just smiled and laughed it off and thought, all right, fucker, I'll get you next time. Yeah, and Jordan says to him, oh, yours was rolling up there, and the guy grabs his money and goes, and your money's rolling, rolling into my, my pocket. pocket. That's oh, that's great. fantastic. They're called the sniff, yeah. the sniff Squad. Yes. Uh, imagine how great it would have been to be part of that, just how lucky yeah. you were. Like, I'm just some security guy. Those security guys probably had been at, you know, the old Chicago Stadium for years with all these shitty teams and drug-addled NBA players that didn't give a shit and then enrolls Michael Jordan, and they are on this incredible 20-year ride. I learned how to pitch pennies when I was 12. An NBA guard took me for 13 cents. 
That was how I learned how to do it. All right, Redskins, slow the fuck down on everything is fixed out at Redskins Park. You don't like that sort of theme that's emerging amongst the fans and the uh, people who cover the team? Well, we've seen this theme, what, four, five, six times in a row. Every time they make a move, everybody thinks it's now it's fixed. Now it's fixed. And, you know, I I would hope that everything's the right direction. You know, I'm not trying to be a naysayer. But what bothered me was all of the accolades that went to, and I can't think of his name, the new personnel guy. Kyle Smith. Um, Yeah. And as somebody put an article out right after this, Ritzkin signed four undrafted free agents. Obviously, they're on the right track now. Well, I spent two minutes looking that up and do you know that every nfl team at that time had signed between seven and 22 undrafted free agents right and we had four and they're acting like it's a big deal well they this is the pattern i've observed this pattern every single year as we come to this time of the year it's like watching certain bird species migrate back to their nesting grounds it's an annual thing, man. Sure. Well, I guess the question is, I'm not blaming the guy, but what I'm asking is, if you can sign four and every team signs eight to 20, why? Is it because he's no good? No, it's because maybe they still don't have any desire to come here. That's possible. That's and one possible. guy's chowdered back at me and said, oh, they're taking their time and, and, and making sure they get it right. Like 448 free agents just signed. How much time are you going to take? Look, here's the ecosystem at work. Ready? There is still, believe it or not, a hardo redskin fan base that thinks yeah. that glory is right around the corner and they'll buy into whatever the team is selling at the moment. All right? Sure. And God bless that we still have some hardos that are delusional like this because they're mostly young enough that they've never seen a good football team. They wouldn't know what a good football team looks like, right? Sure, so, and the first thing first thing they want to do is say, "Oh, it's better than Bruce." Is that the new bar? Well, right. If the new bar is "I'm better than Bruce Allen," so then you, you have set the bar. so then you have key influencers like um, uh, like uh, oh God, who is it from uh, NBC Sports Washington? The the main guy. I'm having a brain fart right now. It's not it's not Pete Haley. You're going to deal with him in just a second. <laughs> I don't know the show. Don't watch it. The main reporter. For the Redskins on NBC. Is that Ford. Finley? Yes, JP Finley. JP Finley, no. Finley like guy. nice guy, but he straddles this line because he has official access because the Redskins have a paid client sponsor relationship with NBC Sports Washington. That needs to be said, okay? And there's nothing wrong with it, but they are essentially partners. NBC Sports Washington pays the Redskins for use of the logo and the name and access and doing their pregame show from Redsk- from the stadium, okay, and the postgame show, access to guests, access to stuff on uh, television. You know, Larry Michaels, Redskin Nation gets carried by NBC Sports Washington. Do you see what I'm talking about here? Oh, yeah. Okay, so JP... JP does a really solid job, but he walks between two nations. He straddles the border between 
a reporter on the team and also a guy who can't go fully rogue and say, this bad thing is happening and I'm going to blow the lid on it. He can't because there's a relationship that has to be minded to. He knows it. Sure. He also knows because he does a very, you know, a, a very well listened to podcast on the Redskins that the fanboys don't want to hear it if he thinks that maybe Ron Rivera, the new savior, is in over his head or doing some dumb shit or doesn't think this or doesn't think that. It's bad for the business of the fan service that goes into being a modern-day influencer. In other words, it doesn't pay to bet the don't-pass line of, you know what, this guy's not very good. Yeah, I guess if it was me, I would take the um, approach of we have faith in him. Everybody thinks he's going to do a nice job. Clearly, it's going to take time to change because we were only able to get four guys, but hey, we're going the right way. I get that. But here's the thing. Being right does not pay. Not in my business, not in the sports nope. ecosystem. Being a fanboy does. Skip Bayless flogged Tim Tebow as the next coming. Next thing you know, he's making $6 million a year from Fox. You know who was smart and said, this guy's a terrible quarterback. I can't believe he's lasting this long. Merrill Hodge. Never, yeah. got, never got a sniff of that money and is now off of TV. Being right doesn't pay. Nobody even remembers if you're right. They just remember, you know, you got to just you gotta right. yell and scream. It's crazy. It is bad. All right, let's switch uh, to, well, you want to talk yes. about Pete Haley on NBC Sports Washington? He bothered you with a Cal Ripken <sighs> Twitter FTG. I'm looking at your notes here. Explain. <laughs> well, he called, I don't know who the guy is. I don't know who he is. I've never met I him. Think, I think he's a yeah. young guy that's working hard. I don't know how he got on TV, but good for him. No, I don't do a lot of Twitter but every now, you know, I every now and then, I'll, you know, the drill, you have to throw out just a quick one line. This isn't, you know, a well written out thing, but he made some I think it was one of the tweets that you liked where he really went off on the great career of Trent Williams. And I I don't usually but I responded and I said something to the effect because he said he'd been here nine years. And, and I said something effective. Every team has a good left tackle. <laughs> Nine years is not exactly Cal Ripken. You know, come on. Okay. Well, I, l- later that day, I see that I don't know the terms they where he had pasted a picture of my tweet and put it up and said, you know, I knew people would disagree with me, but I didn't expect anybody as stupid as this guy. Whoa. Whoa. So so I thought to myself, am I wrong? OK, so I'm sorry, but I'm a data guy. I always look at numbers and I I was not as right as I thought I was right. If I told you this, you know, every team has a star left tackle. That's what you spend your capital on in draft. Check this out. 24 teams have a starting left tackle that was their first round pick. And three were the first two or three picks in the second round. That's 27 teams out of 32 have used their top pick and they have a left tackle with an average career right now of a little over six and a half years. So I think that's pretty clear. It proves the point of, hey, everybody's got one. You know, there's more first-round left tackles starting than quarterbacks. That's kind of shell-shocking, I think. Okay. Is that a Look proven stat? 
Yeah. Right now, there's uh, <laughs> more 20... first round left tackles than there are <laughs> yeah. starting quarterbacks. 24, 24 tackles and 23 QBs, and not that no other position is close, just anecdotally. Um, so, you know, they, they all have a left tackle. And, you know, and then when, when Staley retires after 33 years or whatever it is, you draft another one. Look at the Redskins. In 40 years, they've had four left tackles that have covered 36 out of those 40 years. Yeah. Okay. From Jacoby, Lachey, yeah. uh, Samuels, and then Williams. That's 36 out of 40 well, years. The other thing so is, when you say, oh, yeah. my gosh, we have a left tackle, to me, that's like saying, hey, our first baseman can hit a bunch of homers. Everybody has a first baseman right. that can hit homers, and everybody has a left tackle. <laughs> so um, to that guy for calling me out for being right, yeah, I won't steal the FTJ, but, you know. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did you see where Brett Favre is going to have to repay the state of Mississippi over a million dollars for speeches he, whoops, never gave? That's yeah, that, a pretty bad look right there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, they'll still love him. But, yeah, that doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah. Favre is paying Mississippi back $1.1 million in welfare money he received for speaking engagements and other purposes that he never fulfilled. According to the state auditor, the former Green Bay legend will pay his office $500,000 on Wednesday – and would, quote, repay the remainder in installments over the next few months. Well, you know what, though? This is, this, I, I sound like Steve Solomon here, but this is, a, you know, this is guys who probably half their life got paid for things they didn't really do. Summer jobs <laughs> in college. I guess. Right? You know, work for the car dealer for a month. Here's your check. So he just figured they probably gave it to him and didn't really care. Auditors why, auditors know. wrote that Favre did not speak, nor he was present for those events. They added that the amount he made in the deal was, quote, unreasonable. Auditors, auditors. Interesting. What do they do? Oh, that's right. They look at the expenditures of governments and companies, and they go over them with a fine-tooth comb and a goddamn anal microscope to go, what's this all about? Yeah. Who knew those kind of things existed? That's that's the, those guys are pretty used to getting uh, things their way. All right. So, like, I didn't know I had to pay that back. Let's uh let's end on a gambling related story. Uh talking gambling pyramids versus independent. What? Oh, well I was you know, we at the end of last week, you were uh, concerned about. Uh, ta- I was concerned about talking on the air, and what I was going to tell you was, you know, what explain really that more. Is, yeah, what really is the hold on, fear? Hold on, yeah, go. Last week, start over and explain. Okay, last week you or the, the last time I was on a couple weeks ago, we were, you were talking about betting the NFL draft, and I was saying let's talk off air. Oh, okay. Yeah, the feds are listening to us. Come on. And I'll tell you that in my years, the point of it is they don't know much of anything. And they don't know what is gambling and what is guys talking. They really don't know. I can tell you stories of guys who were pulled in and questioned and for bookmaking they have never booked a single bet in their life, but were overheard talking sports gambling. Really? And it gets really crazy. How, yes. many, how many years For, ago was this? 
Uh, the couple of good stories I'm thinking of were 20. Okay. But I'm not in the circles out there in that to know. I'm not going to suggest that it doesn't happen anymore. I remember a guy, you know, and ever since the Patriot Act, you know, it's, hey, prove this money instead of us proving it. The burden shifts to the to the accused and not on the on the state. So I have a guy sitting there going, well, OK, explain this. Uh, Steve Zabin, um, it looks here that in 2016 you have this uh, $600 deposit in your account. Where did that come from? You're like, how the fuck do I know? You know? I don't know. And then I have, and guys would say, okay, well, look here. This is a large sum of money. Oh, well, you know what? Me and Scott Lynn split Redskins season tickets, so he paid me for his half. Oh, do you have a receipt for that? No, they're not in my name. I mean, they really aren't good at knowing what's really uh, illegal versus just guys talking about sports. They don't know that stuff. Huh. That's what I meant by Pyramid. You know, back in the day, you like the Soprano references. Everything rolls up in a pyramid. You know, Tony Bank rolls right. it all, and then Chris has his guys, and then down under Paul. You know, and they all go down into a pyramid. Now kick up, yeah. Kick yeah. up to the boss, the man. Only, I know, the only guy I know, that there was a guy, the, the only true independent bookmaker I ever really knew that wasn't rolling up somewhere to bigger fish. And he took a bad, he got, um, he got arrested and convicted in, in the County. And I'll tell you what, we thought of him as the smallest fish we ever knew. Small little one shop guy, nobody rolling up under they wrote him up in the Washington Post like they brought down Al fucking Capone. Okay? Yeah. They don't know very much. They really don't. That's they, true. You know, they thought they made this this bit, and we're all like, oh, my God, the littlest guy we ever knew just, just took a real beating. And, of course, they seize a huge amount oh, yeah. of money from oh, him, yeah. and he can't prove it. Next thing you know, he, you know, he moves to Las Vegas um, because he's had enough. It's like, you know, it's, and they really, throughout the process— and you hear them trying to lay out their cases, and you're like, God, you guys don't even have any idea. So it, it's, it is a hard thing. I've never done anything illegal, but it's the point of it is they don't always know what's the, I know. You know, going on. I know. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mr. X, stay sane, my friend. Do a few more laps around the neighborhood at night when it's <laughs> safe. And hang in there. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Sounds good. See ya. All right, let's end on some quick Rona thoughts and developments. First, Maryland is going to allow golf now. Well, well, well. I guess they got a new shipment of science. Suddenly the science, which will guide us, say some governors, says that golf is not a major spreader of the coronavirus during the pandemic. Well blow me down. Then there's this story today from thehill.com. Evidence mounts that outside is safer when it comes to COVID-19. Are you fucking kidding me? Evidence now mounting. The story says experts are increasingly confident in evidence showing that the coronavirus spreads much more readily indoors than 
outdoors, a finding that could help guide policymakers seeking to figure out ways to end lockdowns that have shuttered much of the nation's economy. Thomas Friedan, former director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, says parks, beaches, as long as they're not cheek to jowl, cycling, walking, this is good. Enjoy nature. It's good for us. And it has very low risk of spreading the virus. Well, you don't fucking say. People were saying this, if you followed other smart people, for a month plus online. But no. Now, all of a sudden, experts are increasingly confident. This is like a sick fucking joke. So what? All of those drones with the speakers and the helicopters and the closing the beaches? What the fuck was that? Studies suggest activities held outdoors as temperatures warm pose lower COVID risk than those done in confined indoor spaces, tweeted Scott Gottlieb, former FDA commissioner, as we reopen, states should look to ease rules to allow more recreational, religious, and business activities to occur outside. Well, ain't that a change? Just like a lot of other about faces. Wait a minute. Didn't you just say something else a while ago? Like masks. Like I said with Mr. X, I'll wear masks out of courtesy in stores because I want to show that I'm sensitive and appreciative of the people working there. I don't care. But there's no way the government should be able to mandate that I wear a mask. That's crazy. And of course, this was from early March of this year on 60 Minutes, Dr. Fauci on masks. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it, because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course, of course. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. If only you could see me, I'm staring at the camera now, blinking like Jim Halpert in the office. What in the living fuck? Are you kidding me? There is no coherent government guidance on something as simple as a fucking mask. It's all over the place. It's amazing. It is it is truly bizarre world on so many levels. Now maybe that was a lie to try to keep masks out of the public hands to make sure they got to healthcare workers, but you shouldn't be lying if that's the case. I know that was from early March. Things have changed, but still. That's the number one guy. That's Dr. Fauci. In early March. I'm not even go, going to go back and play the clip of him saying we shouldn't worry about this. That was from late January. Everyone thought that. I'm not going to hold that against him per se. I'm not going to hold it against him that he said, if you're young and healthy, you should feel fine going on a cruise ship uh, in early March as well. But the mask thing is okay. And there are some places that are quickly finding out, whoops. Like, for example, in Massachusetts, or Massachusetts, as they're calling it, where they have mandated masks, (laughs) They had to put out a notice saying, look, if masks are only for people in areas where you can't socially distance. But if you're on a street, you're not going into a store, 
You're not near anyone else. You're not violating the law. And then the last line of the directive from the government was, please stop calling the police to report mask violations. And there are still people that are seemingly serious people that I think believe in it, but I can't tell if they're just saying it, that think we are going to set up and stand up an army of contact tracers to call everybody who has been in contact with a COVID-plus patient in the last 14 days and tell them they need to quarantine. We have minimum 10 million cases right now in the U.S., probably 20 to 30. (laughs) Fucking crazy. Either you're saying this just because you want to slow things down, bog it down, and create unreachable goalposts for for the reopening of the country, or you are a fucking delusional idiot. Either way, I don't know which one. It's both bad. Today, Cuomo had a press conference, and he said he showed a chart. He's like, wow, this has really surprised us, but 65% of current admissions to the hospital with the COVID come from people who have been, wait for it, wait, staying at home. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> 65%. They're either retired or they are out of work or off work or furloughed. I mean, and they had a graphic in which it said, Here's where the current cases are coming from. And the biggest bar, 65% from home. And on the bottom of the graphic, which was the standard template, was stay home, save lives. Just not your life, necessarily. Bizarro world. Oh, and the subway got cleaned for the first time in a checks notes. 115 years. All right, that's the last time I used the check notes thing. It's a little bit played out. I, I admit that. I'm not sure. They must clean the subway to some degree um, on a regular basis, but it's, I guess, the first deep cleaning or the first sanitization of the subway in 115 years. In part, I know it's because they run it 24-7, but there's no way. They didn't have anything in place where they would take certain trains offline or slow down service uh, on a regular interval once a week, once a month at least, to give them a good cleaning. Really? Hindsight being 2020, and it's kind of unfair, but... You know, de Blasio should have closed the subway right away saying, holy shit, this thing's probably spreading germs bad. We need to find a way to get essential workers to where they need to go and not on the subway. I'm going to stand up or pay the cab drivers to take those people via cab, and therefore we won't be on the subway. But that's hindsight, which as we all know, Steve Spurrier is 50-50 or 20-20. New York State also said they're going to make nurses who volunteered to come help their asses out in the peak of the pandemic when when Cuomo was hyperventilating about needing 30,000 vents. They didn't. Saying, if anyone can come help us, oh, we need it so bad, we promise we'll return the favor. So a bunch of nurses got on planes, went there, and, and worked. They're now being told, oh, yeah, and by the way, We'll be sending out a 1099 for that New York State income tax. (laughs) What a big fuck you that is. And, of course, the governor said, well, we've got a $13 billion deficit. What can we do? We're in trouble here. I'd love to waive it, but I can't. Apparently, New York also said, or de Blasio said, we'd love to – didn't he say we'd love to reopen? He said, even if we could reopen, we can't because we don't have the money. 
to reopen. And they want $7 billion from guess who? Uncle Sam. Two men were murdered in New York in a broad daylight caught on camera, security camera, with masks on. They were they had silencers on their pistols. Apparently the guy they whacked was from a motorcycle gang. And no suspects at this time. I'm going to say you're never going to have a suspect because they were wearing masks, which you have to do. Interesting. Massachusetts, oh, I did that already. A Chinese researcher at the University of Pittsburgh has been murdered, and they say he was one of the researchers who was on the verge of important discoveries regarding a vaccine for the coronavirus. This story, when I saw it, made my blood run cold for a moment. I'm like, what? In addition, an associate of his was found murdered in his car. This scientist was murdered in his home. And right now the police are dubbing it a possible murder suicide. And if you believe that's what it is, boy, do I want to sell you some real estate on the West side, right? A murder suicide. First of all, Scientists don't get shot, okay? And if you want to cook it up as, like, let's say you, for to me, it's clear. Somebody was like, okay, shit, you're getting too close for a vaccine. Let's slow this shit down. Let's go whack the lead researcher. I don't buy, they might go, well, this other coworker was jealous. And maybe they were lovers and they had a spat. And he shot him. And then he decided he, I was like, I can't stick around for this. I'm killing myself. Plausible, yes, but think about it. You want to slow down research on a vaccine for your own purposes, whatever they are. Maybe a Chinese agent, maybe somebody who just doesn't want to see this fun pandemic end. So they go whack one of the lead researchers. And I think his notes, surely the rest of the team there knows what he was working on. He was sharing with them like, hey, you know what? I found this. I found this. Right? They're collaborating. Yeah. I mean, whatever he knew is not necessarily gone, right? So they, they say, we got to slow this shit down. They go whack this guy in his house. They get a coworker. They kidnap him. They drive him out in a car, and they basically make it look like he killed himself. And they go, huh, murder-suicide. What are you going to do? Weird. Any security footage? No. I mean, we got somebody in a mask. Don't know who it is. Black clothes. That is some crazy-ass shit right there. Uh, Governor Blackface said things look good in Virginia, but is going to leave it up to even smaller localities in the state to raise the floor of returning to normal if they feel like, well, we're still not there yet. Terrible fucking idea to give any localities any more authority to keep shit shut down. This should be state level, but whatever. Also, apparently, I said that Old Governor Blackface went to North Carolina during the pandemic. That's apparently been debunked. So I retract that, Governor. The Texas governor and the attorney general have both called for the hairdresser that was sentenced to seven days in jail and fined $7,000 to be released. The judge in the case is apparently a hard-ass, flaming Democrat activist with a Facebook page that would melt your head. And he gets to be a judge, which, okay. Whatever. The lieutenant governor said that he will pay the woman's fine and submit to seven days of house arrest. Not sure that's the same as prison. Uh, The hairdresser has a GoFundMe page. I bet she is going to make all that money back and then some. That will be an interesting fight. 
And then there was this horrific, unbelievable, I mean, I won't say unbelievable, it does happen, but a horrific shooting of a black jogger by two white males in Georgia. And the horrible thing on top of this hate crime is that the family of the victim faced now a prospect of a month or longer for a grand jury to even convene to consider charges because everything is shut down. Justice denied, or justice delayed, they say, is justice denied. A lot of shit's coming loose right now. A lot of stuff is happening. This is going to be a two-week period in which I think things are going to unravel even further, some in good ways, others in not-so-good ways. Already the college football cracks are starting to show. The SEC and parts of the central part of the U.S., the southern Big Ten, seemingly is like, we're going to be open and we're playing football by the time September comes around. Other schools, not so much. It'll be interesting. Today's date, May the 7th. Call me on June the 7th. I bet things will look a whole lot different back then and hopefully better. We shall see. All right, that's it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for bearing with me during this changeover to our Red Circle partners and platform. There is an unbelievable myriad of nuances to how podcasts get delivered, and we are frantically trying to iron them all out. Apparently, Spotify has decided to no longer support independent RSS feeds. So that's kind of fucked us because we had planned on it all along and all of a sudden we're like, what'd you do? And I know a lot of you like Spotify and you subscribe to Spotify specifically because of the podcast. Remember, all these companies are jockeying for space and for territory and revenue in the podcast game. And that makes it tough for us providers to figure out the most efficient way and the broadest way to deliver this content to you on the platform that you like. So bear with us. And uh, I got a really smart guy in Chris Broussard from Inlutions who is working on it. So that's all I can say. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great Thursday, and we will see you next time.